You are listening to the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. My name is Stephanie and I'm a wife, mother of four, and the creator of the blog Simple Living Made Simple, formerly winging it on the homestead. I am far from an expert, but I am learning and growing and figuring the simple living self-sufficiency thing out as I go. I love to help encourage modern mothers to incorporate simple living and self-sufficiency skills and knowledge into their busy lives. Join me this season as I interview homesteading experts on a variety of timely and important topics and share with you my appreciation for creating a homemade and homegrown life through gardening, food preservation, cooking from scratch, making your own products, all while keeping it all practical, intentional, and realistic. Welcome back to the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. In this episode, I spoke with Naomi from Love Stitches. Naomi and I talked all about sewing, which is really exciting because I have been interested in getting into sewing because a lot of my family, my mom, my my aunts and all sew, and I something that I really want to get into, but I'm not really sure how to get started. So we spoke all about that, how to get started, how to learn how to sew, um, whether you should buy a sewing machine or not. One thing we also talked about that was a lot of fun was how to shop vintage, like how to shop hand-me-downs and secondhand uh, stores with alterations in mind. So that's a really great way to save some money. So in this episode was a lot of fun. So uh, tune in. I hope you enjoy it. Hey guys, I am here today with Naomi Feta from Naomi Feta Sews, and I'm so excited to have her on because she is going to talk all about sewing, simple sewing, how to get started sewing. This is something that I have recently, I mean, sewing's always kind of been in my life, my mom, my grandmother, but something I've recently wanted to, had an urge to like dive back into. So I'm really excited that I have her on today. So thank you so much for joining me, Naomi. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I, I when um, you reached out, I was like, absolutely. Come on and let's talk about sewing. Um, so I'm so excited to talk with you. I have lots of questions. Um, but can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your business and how you got into sewing and tailoring and all those kinds of things? Sure. So I've been sewing since I was a kid. It was something like my my mom and, mm-hmm. and people in my family sewed. My mom was actually the oldest of 12 kids. And so I was in a couple of like my aunt and uncle's weddings when I was growing up. And they came come from like a farm background, more um, self-sufficient. And so rather than buying dresses, it's pretty common for them to say, oh, let's just buy the fabric and a pattern. And they would ship it to us and we'd make like the dress that I was going to wear for the wedding, mm-hmm. flower girl dress or whatever. And that's really when it first started. I don't remember a time when there was not a sewing machine or needles and thread in yeah. my life. Hearing that sewing machine go in the background of just daily life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. So it's definitely interesting for me mm-hmm. to talk to people that haven't had a lot of exposure to it because it's not something that I'm used to. Yeah, definitely. But, um, Around the time I was in my early 20s, I was dating my husband and we were thinking about getting married. And I was like, well, I know that I'm going to want to have kids and be available and work from home. So what skills do I have? And that's kind of how it started as I had seen someone else who had a home business sewing 
So I was like, I, I think I could do that. And it just started out with business cards. And I really had no idea where it was going to go. In fact, never dreamed that I'd be doing what I'm doing today. Yeah. Originally, like I had always sewn from patterns and made a couple of quilts, made pajama pants and dresses, but I never altered anything at the point when I started my business. Mm-hmm. I really, it was not even on my radar. Yeah. So I started in 2007 mm-hmm. and it just gradually grew from there. I basically, whatever people asked for, I took and I kind of jumped in headlong, <laughs> aware that I totally had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> just taking things apart, like a lot of jacket zippers that mm-hmm. I never would have realized, like, this is a big issue. You have a jacket and it just needs a new zipper, but it's a winter coat that you spent a couple hundred dollars on to put it like depending, of course, on the quality. But um, so, you know, I just started that. And so now actually I mostly do uh, bridal alterations and fitted slip covers. Mm -hmm. As my business grew, I just didn't have as much time to take on the smaller alterations but it's something that's still very close to my heart. So that's Mm -hmm. actually why I started teaching people to do it themselves because I think it's so valuable and I hate to see people throwing things away that could be made alive again. Yeah, absolutely. Did you find that it was um, more difficult to do like alterations on like a live bot? Like, I guess, I guess it's different when you're doing like you're sewing from a pattern, like something kind of new, but then taking apart something and altering it. That's is that like a whole different like game or it is a little bit when you think of something being manufactured. Mm. But what I always said to myself was you take it, you put it back together the way that you took it apart. Mm -hmm. And so if I can take it apart um, and then put it back together the same way, it'll be fine. Yeah. That makes sense. But my experience with patterns really helped because it's almost like you're able to see it backwards. Yeah. Like it kind of gave me like, oh, here's like the the arm size seam and how am I going to put the sleeves in and how are the sleeves going to come out? And what does this shape of a sleeve do for mobility? So mm-hmm. how are we going to adjust that? And if I... um make the curve and the seam too small during my alteration, that's going to affect the mobility Mm -hmm. of the arm. So various things like that helped so much when I started altering because I had that like visual Mm -hmm. image kind of built in me as far as what does it look like to construct something. Yeah. So then it's like the reverse process of deconstructing. That's really cool. (laughs) <laughs> it's like a whole separate thing, but they work well together. Obviously, yes. you need to build on your skills. Um, could you tell me uh, how you view sewing as like a life skill that extends beyond just making clothes? Because um, we talked about it a little bit like, you know, in our emails back and forth um, in that there's like so many more possibilities than just clothes with the sewing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. And I mean, this is something that I have to say, like my years with clients are really the ones that educated me on this Mm -hmm. is when you look around your home, there's textiles everywhere in terms of curtains, you have Mm -hmm. towels. Like I was just 
you know, in my house earlier before I hopped on this podcast and I looked up and saw that there's this towel. It's like my daughter's favorite towels to dry her hair. And the whole side is frayed. Mm -hmm. And if I don't just, you know, for me, of course, because I have the tools available and I've been sewing, it's just a seam on the sewing machine. But this awareness of everything that we own, really, from backpacks, dog leashes, handbags, our kids' stuffed animals, mittens, hats, um, the canopy for a tent or a pedal boat. Um, yeah. Trying to think of unique things, but there's so many. Yeah. Um, our kitchen towels or oven mitts. Everything is really made of cloth and it's held together with stitching. And mm -hmm. all of that is sewing, really. Yeah. And so if you think in this broad span of, I mean, I, I sew and I still have piles of stuff that needs a repair, like the quilt on my bed. I noticed there was a, you know, a warm spot on it that I just need to add new fabric to. Mm -hmm. It just goes on and on because we're living and we're making use of our stuff. And one small tear for someone that doesn't sew might mean that they're going to throw it out yeah. because it's not as useful or it's not useful at all when it's torn. Mm -hmm. But yet, you know, a little bit of time spent learning to sew that can put it back into use again. Yeah, that's a really good point. I know that's the extent of my sewing is fixing stuffed animals and um, maybe patching a hole badly, all very badly, of course, but doing it. So it's like, it'd be really nice to learn how to, you know, make something nice and pretty or new, you know, so you don't have to buy also, you know, is that something you find? Can you, how would you, can, do you find that you can save money by learning how to sew? So I think of it in terms of a long-term plan like there's not mm -hmm. it's not an instant um I'm gonna save money today by sewing right. but in terms of um number one like keeping things in use and rather than running out to buy them even for instance like we recently moved about a year and a half ago and I still have like two totes of curtains from my other house that I mean we're doing renovations on this house too so I'm not sure what I'm going to do with those curtains, but rather than running out to buy new, kind of creatively thinking like, well, what can I do with this fabric that I have? Whether it's making curtains, whether it's um, turning it into something else. I mean, when I was young, I used to do like rag rugs, which are a great way to make, you know, use of your extra fabric. Mm -hmm. You can make reusable grocery bags with those curtains if I wanted to, or simply if I want to use them and they're not the right length, being able to shorten them. Mm -hmm. But um, one thing that I think of too is the idea of, you know, saving money, whether it's thrifting or hand-me-downs, recognizing that, the items that you get might not fit perfectly. So, you know, the immediate response when something doesn't fit perfectly is mm -hmm. to think, oh, well, I can't make use of it. But even um, my daughter and I, there was like a $20 bag sale in our local thrift store this past weekend. And we're like, oh, we'll just go because there's a couple of like summer items that mm -hmm. we could use. And I had some like workout pants that were kind of 
really at the end of their life. So I thought, oh, I could use another pair. But anyway, the couple of things that we found, they weren't the right size, especially in the waist. Mm. And it's just a matter of like taking in some darts and then they'll fit, they'll, they'll be perfect mm-hmm. and they're totally usable. So that's an element of, you know, keeping it in the mm-hmm. cycle of life. So I think between the idea of right sitting with our mending pile and making sure that it gets done so they're not we're not throwing it away, mm-hmm. but also just becoming more and more aware of before we throw something away or before we go buy something new, like why is it that I want to buy something new? Do I have an item that I like, whether it's a you know a shirt, but I'm not wearing it because it doesn't fit anymore or my style has changed and how can I change it a little bit, whether it's a little alteration mm-hmm. um, or whether it is totally, you know, shortening it to make a dress into a shirt or a, a sundress dress into a skirt or something like that so that it stays in the life cycle. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. Um, so it might not be like saving money up front, but having those skills and being able to apply them, saving items and bringing them back into life is what you're saying would be. Yeah. I mean, so I think of, so recently, so I have two boys mm-hmm. and of course my older one, you save all the clothes and then you bring mm-hmm. them out again when the next one grows into them. And some of the, like the elastic waist had worn out mm-hmm. and it was just a matter of like replacing that elastic and then the life cycle of that pair of pants can continue. Mm -hmm. So I didn't go out and really, honestly, my poor second boy (laughs) doesn't really get new clothes. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Because of that. But what does it matter when it's still in perfectly good condition? Right. Yeah. That's something that I find too. Well, I find that, Clothes, you know, and I guess it depends where you shop too. Like clothes that you buy is so cheaply made to begin with that even once they get a little, a little worn, it's like a lot worn. Like there's really no saving those sweatpants with, with you know, holes in the, the knee. Because even if you sew them, it's just, it, that's just my experience. with. But that's probably because I buy cheap clothes. So I probably should like look for quality clothes to begin with. And I think you were talking about that with um, like buying thrift, like, right? Like... Um, some, I mean, I think that the whole concept of quality clothing, even, even like myself, sometimes as I handle it all the time is sometimes I don't even know, you know, where to look or where to begin with that. Like last night I was working on a bridesmaid dress and it's, you know, made in China and, uh, you know, so much is um, man-made fabrics that are like a plastic base rather than, you know, natural fibers And everything is made so quickly. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever studied any of like the fast Mm -hmm. fashion recently. I've been reading um, the book Overdressed and she talks so much about how um, inflation has affected every other area Mm -hmm. of our spending, except for clothing. And that in part is because, um, number one, they're trying to pump out the volume, but number two, they're just trying to cut costs both in fabric and labor. Mm-hmm. And so it just becomes this production line of, um, you know, fabrics that aren't environmentally 
beneficial or sustainable as well as the fact of like like the people that are making them are working in factories getting paid so Mm -hmm. little yeah well, that makes you think, like, what, and this is not, I sent you questions before this, and this is not, so we're going off on, like, some other things, so <laughs> tell me if you don't want to answer these, but, like, what makes a quality garment? Like, I guess there's many things that go into, like, the fabric, that's the amount of stitches, maybe? I don't know. Could you maybe talk about what goes into the quality of a piece of um, clothing? That's such a good question. I would say, yeah, definitely the amount of stitches, mm-hmm. um, but... I think even the fabric, like my daughter got given these pants for Christmas. I think they were from, I mean, they were really, really cheap. Mm -hmm. And you could almost like feel how cheap the fabric was. I mean, as far as quality fabric, it's almost like you want like, like the the wools and the linen and Mm -hmm. the cotton or the wool. Like you want, like something that is more natural yeah but I don't even know if that's totally true but the other thing that is really true is the seam allowance so they're just put together really quickly and the stitches come apart really easily so so often we've had items of clothing that you know Christmas present or whatnot and all of a sudden you know one stitch comes out and the whole seam Mm -hmm. is undone whether it's a hem or whether it's like you know, mm-hmm. I just did a sweatshirt that the hoodie started coming apart at the neck. The stitches just start ripping out. Yeah. So there's that element of quality. I guess if you're going to be spending the money somewhere, if you're spending it, in, if you're learning to sew and you're spending it in quality fabrics and putting the time into making it quality, then it's going to pay off in the long run, right? Like you're going to have that for years and years and years as opposed to spending cheaply and having to buy the same pair of jeans over and over and over again. Yes, I think that's true. I mean, I would say for myself Mm -hmm. at this point, like I definitely made a lot from patterns growing up, but I, in in part, one of it is because I don't really have time. Yeah. That's the other thing too, right? Yeah. And in part, just because, um, yeah, probably a lot of it is time, but I do like thrifting. Mm -hmm. So part of that is like a personal um, preference. But yes, definitely if you're learning to sew and you start making those garments that have longevity, Mm -hmm. that's something that over the long term, it it would be like you're not wasting money on clothing. Mm -hmm. And so it is something but like, Back in the day, coats were made to last, you know, 20 or 30 years. Right. And even the volume of clothing that people had in their wardrobe was much, much smaller yeah. than it is today. You know, the, you talk about like schoolgirls had what, like seven dresses mm-hmm. for every day of school and then maybe a couple Sunday dresses. Not like, you know, even my own wardrobe, which is probably relatively small compared mm-hmm. to the American standard. Stuff like way more clothes than I ever really wear. Right. Yeah. And so that is is definitely something to consider. Um, Do you think that you have to be an expert seamstress to make an impact on your budget? Everyone, you have to start where you're at. Mm -hmm. Like, so I think that there is that level where people feel like it's unattainable to learn because they see like super skilled people and then they see like 
oh, well, I don't even know how to sew on a button. Mm -hmm. And recognizing that in the grand scheme of things, we're all students of something. Mm -hmm. And in order to learn a skill, you have to start somewhere. And you don't, I mean, the think about the pair of pants that you can't wear because there's no button on them. Popped mm -hmm. off. Like, just bringing that pair of pants back into your wardrobe by learning to sew on a button makes an impact because, I mean, regardless of how much you pay for pants, whether you're going to, you know, go the high end or whether you're going to thrift them, mm -hmm. if they were a good pair of pants that you love and you can sew a new button on them, you're not going to go spend money mm -hmm. to buy a new pair. And so uh, the bare minimum as far as spending money like learning those basics of you know buttons and patches mm -hmm. or even having a pair of pants mm -hmm. especially for people that um you know aren't a universal size mm -hmm. which of course because of my business I, I I definitely see a lot of those people because mm -hmm. those are the type of people that need alterations whereas someone that is like the average size that a factory made clothing they don't run into the fit problems that someone else does right. but um definitely I feel like you just think smaller in terms of don't get overwhelmed with the big picture of suddenly taking dress you know taking stuff apart you maybe set like that small goal of okay maybe even this this quarter or this year, I'm going to learn some hand stitching. I'm going to patch a couple of things. I'm going to learn to sew on a button and then like increase from there. Mm -hmm. But also I like to like think a little bit further as far as like allow yourself to have a little vision mm -hmm. and see like if you see items in your clothing, in your wardrobe that you're not wearing, kind of like have that conversation with yourself like, well, do I like it? Why did I buy it? Is it the color? Mm -hmm. Is there something about it that I don't like? Is there something I could change about it? And kind of like let yourself have this like creative conversation mm -hmm. and like look at say something that someone else is wearing and be like, oh, what could I do with that? Mm -hmm. Like recently um, I had a favorite shirt that um, the yoke is more like a blouse. It buttoned in the front, but it was very casual. But the yoke on the back was really worn. And so I just kept looking at it for like months. Mm -hmm. Like, what am I going to do with this? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I've seen like this lace overlay design. Like people just wearing it, whether mm -hmm. it's fast fashion or, you know, whatever. But kind of was like inspired by that idea. So I mean, this is like an, a little bit of a next level skill, but it's not mm -hmm. unattainable by any means. So yeah. took a seam ripper and took the shirt apart at the yoke and overlaid lace on it and then put it back together again. Mm. And I actually didn't even cut out the original fabric. And the lace that I used was like from an old tablecloth that I had been <laughs> laying around. Yeah. Meaning like every piece of fabric that you have, it's like being just more and more aware um, yeah. that they're there. And if you're not using them, like what could I use it for? <laughs> or it, it definitely, there is a little bit of a, like an artistic creativity mm -hmm. that goes with like starting to think about selling right that's cool 
when you are thrifting, is there something that you look for? I don't know how to like necessarily word it. Like, is there something you look for when you're looking for thrifting that will either make it easy to to alter or it's worth the money or it's can like be utilized in different ways or is there any yeah. kind of tips you can give for that? So one of the things that you don't want to look for is something that's too small. Okay. Because if it's too small, you can't, you can't add fabric. Okay. You can always take away fabric, but you yeah. can't add fabric. So tip. that's one thing to always be mindful of because mm-hmm. I definitely get that question a lot. Yeah. It's just a little bit too small. Can you fix it? And that really, <laughs> okay. not without some real finagling. And then it really, I feel like then it really starts to become piecemeal. Okay. Because you're trying to add flackets here and there, gusses, and it's just, you've kind of gone into a whole different level. Makes sense, um, yeah. For women, definitely anything that's sleeveless is always, like, often if it's, say, a little bit too big in the neck and mm-hmm. it's hanging too low or it's just a little bit too big, just pulling up those shoulder seams Mm-hmm. is really easy fix. And you can honestly even do that by hand mm-hmm. and make it work. Or if it's a strap that's attached in the back, mm-hmm. you can usually seam rip it out and then just move the strap a little bit, which that would be the other advice that I would say. If anybody's learning to sew and you're altering anything, mm-hmm. a seam ripper is your best friend. <laughs> like you're going to yeah. have to learn how to use a seam ripper. And that. It's definitely something if you came from sewing from patterns, mm-hmm. we do use seam rippers when we make mistakes, but for the most part, not nearly as much as when you're altering. Yeah. It's a sense. lot of times when you're altering, you're going to have to take some seams out and put them back in in order to get to the seam that you need to change. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Yeah. That's great tips. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but then, um, some of the other things that I would say, even like, so if you really like a shirt that's in a good color, a good pattern, but you don't like that it's long sleeved or you don't like that it has elastic in the sleeve or you don't um, like the collar. Mm-hmm. Some of these things are, again, they're not the, the very basics of sewing on a button. They're the next level up, but you're just changing one element and from the most part, like that element is already there. Like, I mean, taking elastic out of sleeves, I've had plenty of people have that. They didn't like the proof of a sleeve with mm-hmm. elastic in it. Sometimes it's as simple as like literally opening like two stitches. And if the elastic is loose in there, you cut it and you pull it out. Mm, okay. And it's done. And, and then you like move up in complexity a little bit as far as like the width of the shoulders. Mm-hmm. Those can be moved. But if you can stay within your size or the size above you, mm-hmm. it's typically easier to alter. But kind of that same creative mindset of like maybe when you're at the thrift store looking for colors that appeal to you mm-hmm. or a pattern that appeals to you in the, you know, that spectrum of sizes that's within your range Mm -hmm. and not smaller Mm -hmm. then kind of saying okay so I like this shirt but if I could do something different what would I do or even like shortening it like maybe Mm -hmm. it's 
a longer shirt and you don't like that style. Another thing that my daughter has done is find shirts that she likes that are in a size bigger. And she like goes, oh, I would love this. And she gets it made into like a high-low hemline. So mm-hmm. like the front is shorter, she, you know, she doesn't want to tuck anything in. Mm-hmm. So the front is shorter than the back and it's super cute. Yeah. So that's something that is so possible. Um, another thing would be like, if it's jackets, I mean, sometimes you can find like some really good finds, like mm-hmm. whether it's um, something that was really well made, but it has a lining and mm-hmm. the lining might be brittle. And mm-hmm. Especially if you've sewn from patterns before, think about the lining is very easy to just remove mm-hmm. and then make a pattern out of it. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to put it back in. So that's like a, a, not an easy fix, yeah. but it's not at all unattainable. Right. And it's something that you can do that's going to ex, you know extend the longevity of that and for lining you'd have to you'd either buy new or you never know if you can find fabric thrifted yeah that's also a a big possibility yeah I was just gonna ask do you ever buy a dress because you just love that pad that fabric and you might use that fabric on I don't know something a smaller a smaller dress or something I don't know do you ever do that kind of thing or um so that I think maybe what you're talking about is more almost like upcycling. Maybe. Yeah. I guess like so, buying it for the fabric rather than like whatever so, the dress is. Um, I personally don't really. Mm-hmm. I know that some people do. I don't really. But like even uh, the shirt that I have on had like these huge ruffle, like these huge bell sleeves. I mm-hmm. actually did like an Instagram on it a little while mm-hmm. ago. And I have had it for a good a couple of years. I thrifted it somewhere mm-hmm. a, a couple of years back. I loved, like, the print of it. And I found, like, why am I never wearing this? And I realized, like, the sleeves were so big that I love to layer it. Mm. Like, even now I have a cardigan on. Yeah. And I couldn't layer it because the sleeves were so big and then they were bulky underneath. And, like, just looking at the construction of, like, oh... So I really want to keep this shirt and I really want to start wearing it. Just take the, the bell sleeves off. So now it's got like a, mm-hmm. you know, a, not quite a three quarter length sleeve on it. Right. Cool. Those kind of things. Definitely. I would buy them in the thrift store just because I like, they speak to me. So, to yeah. speak. but maybe that exact style isn't something that fits my lifestyle. But if I can just remove this, decorative element then I'm gonna wear it yeah makes sense well like so let's talk about fabrics for a second what um because fabrics probably I know I went into a fabric store not that long ago and it's kind of like gobsmacked by how expensive some fabrics could be um it definitely does kind of um change that mindset of that it's going to be cheaper to sew your own clothes um so could you speak to that a little bit and where would you where do you find like good quality fabrics um so I would say, so first in terms of fabric, I, one of the fabric, the things that I do a lot of is slip covers. Mm-hmm. So then that's a fabric that I not always buy, but I'm like referring clients mm-hmm. to a lot. And so in terms of like, if we go down like the slip cover tangent for a second, okay. um, there's like duck cloth and, um, 
canvas mm-hmm. that are very sturdy that I will get from um, Big Dog Canvas. And those are actually pretty um, reasonably priced. Okay. If you're, if you're going to do like a duck cloth or a canvas for a slipcover, which is um, actually the slipcovers is a whole different tangent as far <laughs> as like, oh, so if you learn to sew and you want to save a couch or a chair, mm-hmm. you're definitely going to save money by doing that yourself or, you know, learning how to do it, which is pretty fun. Um, so in terms of the other fabrics, I mean, we do have like near us, we have like a Joanne Fabrics that has their clearance sales or their doorbuster sales. And if you're learning to sew and you just want to start getting your, make your, you know, your confidence up, I would recommend, you know, starting with a pajama pants pattern and flannel because mm-hmm. that's easy to work with and it's fun. Mm-hmm. And so even if you have kids and they want to like learn a little bit, that's always like a fun pouch to start with because flannel comes in all different shapes and, and colors and mm-hmm. um, everything, any kind of animal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So flannels are kind of fun. Now, as far as like that being quality fabric, I don't honestly really know. Like, I did a little research on Joanne's website about how they were trying to become more eco-friendly, and they're trying to work with that. But mm-hmm. a, a lot of it is sourced outside the U.S. Um, we, we don't really know. But one of the things, like, recently, not that recently, I've been teaching at um, sewing at a, a shop locally mm-hmm. um, for about a year. And she is very cognizant of trying to source fabrics that are made within the U.S. and that are made relatively sustainably. So one of the places that she gets fabric from is naturesfabric.com, and I'll send it to you so you can put it in the show notes. And they have some really nice, like, bamboo fleece, some linens, and stuff like that. It does kind of look like if you're retailing it, it's probably going to run you about $20 a yard. Okay. So it's definitely something to consider. I would say touching fabrics like that and handling them, like you'll know, you'll feel the difference mm-hmm. from what you're buying in Walmart. So it's like sense. clothing that you're buying in Walmart. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. You're talking like linens and things. Is that stuff that you find when you're thrifting? Like, do you ever just grab pillowcases because they're a nice linen, even though they're old? Like, is that something that would be smart to do? Or It absolutely is smart to do. So I do see it when I'm like out thrifting and sometimes I'm tempted to buy it. Every once in a while I do. Yeah. A lot of times I just, for me, I have to tell myself no because <laughs> yeah. I know that I don't like and again that's just like I don't have time right now right oh so homeschool three kids and how good is this so I know that I'm not gonna have time either so I'm trying to like limit my stash right a right little bit. um but absolutely in fact I just did and again this is different but I did a slip cover for a slip cover and window suits for a client that they had gone to, you know, um, I think it was a church, um, a huge church fundraiser sale that it was all, you know, people bringing their diet up. She went 
three bolts, eight yards each of beautiful canvas, white canvas. Mm -hmm. For, I think she said she paid $10 for all three together or something crazy. Mm -hmm. And it's, if you find fabric and you have a project in mind or you're just trying to get some fabrics in your house, by all means, Mm -hmm. like, it's worth it. Gotcha. Okay. There's that, that. That adds a like that just makes it like thrifting more fun to obviously know what you're going in or something to look for. So that's helpful. Um, I want to talk about a sewing machine real quick. Um, At what point do you take the dive to buy a sewing machine? Like, would you is there things you can do hand stitching for a while and then you just say, all right, I just I'm doing too much. I need to buy a sewing machine. Like, what does that step look like? So. Definitely there's things that you can do by hand. Mm -hmm. You can definitely, you know, mend the mittens, the gloves, Mm -hmm. the buttons, the small holes by hand. Mm -hmm. And absolutely start there because just getting yourself used to a needle and thread Mm -hmm. is a great place to start. As far as the sewing machine, um, I think that your alterations and your patching are going to hold up a lot better. I mean, the bigger ones when you sew on a sewing machine, but I do know people that make clothing from scratch all by hand. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing to discount that you absolutely could do probably anything by hand if you have the patience and the time and just learning to make your stitches small enough so that it's not pulling apart, making sure you're knotting the end of your stitching so mm-hmm. that it's not pulling loose, those kind of things. Um, for a sewing machine, right, it's an upfront investment, but I also think in terms of for those of us who are at home cooking, mm-hmm. there is a variety of kitchen gadgets that I'm sure we've all invested in. Mm-hmm. So if we see it as that kind of investment, recognizing that, it's something over the long term, especially if you have kids or multiple members in a family, the number of textiles you need to prepare just kind of starts climbing quickly. Yeah. Add people to the household. <laughs> so it's totally worth it. Um, you can sometimes get uh, sewing machines on Facebook Marketplace, on different free cycles, different things like that. So don't discount that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's worth it and sometimes it's not. I definitely think it's worth investing in a sewing machine. One of the main things that people get frustrated with the sewing machine is the thread jamming. Mm -hmm. And recognizing that you have a learning curve. So I actually have a PDF tutorial on that as well as just a brief class. Yeah. So that you can learn like recognizing you like how to thread it correctly. And the first thing to do when it starts to jam is to re-thread it because it could have just popped out at some spot, like mm-hmm. re-thread the bobbin, re-thread the top. Recognizing that there's a difference in needles for different types So it is a learning experience. Like using a sewing machine is going to be a little bit more of a learning experience than learning to hand sew. I mean, they're both mm-hmm. learning, but... Uh, many people that start with a sewing machine kind of throw it out and say, I couldn't do it. I didn't have a knack for it. Mm-hmm. And don't do that. 
meaning yeah. like you have to give yourself the grace to try. And the other thing is like, it's like a car. You yeah. have to keep it clean. You have to maintain it. Mm-hmm. Like every couple of times after use, spray it out with like, you know, that um, lint spray that you spray out your computer keyboard with. Because mm-hmm. every time you stitch, there's actual lint that's falling down mm-hmm. in the bobbin. Because when the needle goes through, it's fragmenting the fabric yeah. a little bit. And there's, so if you, clog all of that up is going to make it so it's not going to sew as well Mm. and the other thing is just recognizing like if you're stitching a pair of jeans don't make it go 100 miles an hour and then you're not gonna make your car go 100 miles an hour up a mountain so being mindful of like it's a machine and what can it handle just having that relationship with yourself yeah it sounds like it is a relationship and i think that that's why people will go and get their 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 machines like maintenance and and you know like fixed and stuff because you know their machines it's like learning your insides and out of you know knowing it's like really important i know my mom just had to get a new sewing machine and so it's kind of like making that decision versus fixing your old one is like a big one plus that one was from the 70s and this is a new newfangled one that like has to be programmed or whatever i don't know yes and i would say that is a question I get a lot too mm-hmm. is people, you know, cause there's such a huge spectrum of prices for yeah. sewing machines mm-hmm. and so many of the new ones have a tremendous amount of bells and whistles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's some machines that you can get for a price point around like 200 in us dollars Yeah, that are pretty, like they're going to do what you want them to do. And if you keep them maintained and you keep them clean, I think you're going to have a pretty good relationship with them. And, like, you don't have to get distracted by the higher-end stuff because higher-end doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be better for you. Yeah. And, you know, some of those higher-end things are um, for, like, embroidery Mm -hmm. or different things like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's helpful because I think that that's the first thing is people, people discount being able to sew because they don't have a sewing machine. So knowing that there's a lot of things that you can do hand stitching and then, then deciding to get a machine is, is helpful. All right. So I always ask people this question, what, um, because I think, you know, simple living, self-sufficient living, you're always learning new, new things and people, people that start diving into this lifestyle, want to do all the things and I know that sewing is one of them which is why I was so excited to talk with you but what are some other skills that you are learning right now so I'm actually learning a little bit more about composting okay I'm say that I got there yet <sighs> you're a big gardener you you garden a lot well I'm trying so I've always <laughs> wanted to and again there's like that season of life when kids were little yeah that I just didn't get into it so I actually have a bunch of tomato seedlings and basil right now that I just planted the seeds this weekend yeah <laughs> in little pots in the window so but trying to get like so then we started composting but learning like oh it's not really breaking down I know there's like composting worms mm-hmm. like that <laughs> kind of stuff because it's like been since last summer. Yeah. And it's something I always wanted to do, but you know, time and all of mm-hmm. that. So that's something that is a little work in progress. That's good though. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. 
All right. Um, where can my audience find you? And can you talk a little bit about the courses that you offer on your, your sure. website? So um, my website is just naomifeda.net. And I offer some courses there. I have a, like, replacing the jacket zipper, sewing machine class, an elastic waistband class, and a, um, a pant hemming class. Like, cool. different types of pant hems. And then I also have a bunch of PDF tutorials mm -hmm. that, you know, you can purchase and download. Then you have, like, pictures and written information. And those are actually... There's a coupon code that Stephanie's going to put in the mm -hmm. show notes yes. for those. I am on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram is at Naomi Feda. And definitely Instagram is my platform of choice, much more than Facebook. But my Facebook page is just at Naomi Feda Sews. Mm -hmm. And also on my website, if you just want to sign up for sewing inspiration or grab a thrifter, I have a thrifter's um sewing guide in there just to give you some more ideas on thrifting mm -hmm. then you'll get a bi-weekly a bi-monthly newsletter mm -hmm. that comes out with just you know insight and new podcast episodes for um different sewing things that mm -hmm. i found that i love and a variety of other interesting tips and resources sewing yeah. related that's awesome well, I should put all of that information in the show notes because I think, well, that's a lot of lots um, of awesome information. So thank you so much for joining me. This was a really fun conversation. I, I learned a lot for sure. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm so glad. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. I have a brand new guide out that is just perfect for this time of year. The Ultimate Fruit and Vegetable Seasonal Guide is now available and you can grab it for free at www.savemyveggies.com. If you are like me, you have thrown away produce that you just never got a chance to use. I used to do this all the time. Especially this time of year, as my harvest starts coming in, it can be difficult to properly store everything and make sure I either preserve it in time or use it up. That's why I created this guide. This guide has everything you need to stop wasting fruits and vegetables that you either grow yourself or purchase at the store. Learn how to properly store 25 plus fruits and vegetables to help them stay fresher longer. This guide also includes a month by month seasonal timeline so you know when to stock up on inexpensive and high quality fruits and vegetables to save you time and money. Again, you can grab that free guide at www.savemyveggies.com. As always, if you have any questions, want gardening advice, or have a topic suggestion for the podcast, please email me at info at wingingitonthehomestead.com.